we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. If I don't escape, control, suppress, or try to rationalise, my energy is concentrated. So I have enormous energy to deal with facts. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of extracts carefully chosen from the archives of the Philosopher's Talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is suppression. Upcoming themes are hate, experience and the arts of looking and listening. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on suppression has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Calcutta, 1982, titled Should We Suppress Desire? All religions have said, suppress your senses, right? Suppress your feelings, your everything, suppress it. So that we have gradually lost the, the sensitivity of senses. The speaker is saying quite the contrary. We live by senses, and if perhaps some have developed a particular sense, but the speaker is saying to awaken all your senses to their highest degree, so that you look at the world with all your senses. You understand what I'm talking about? 
to look at the world with that immense feeling, when all the senses are fully awakened. In that there is great, extraordinary sense of energy, beauty, so that in the investigation of another instrument we see the first thing is that the man who has become dull through repetition, through tradition, through the oppression of the environment. The environment is not merely nature. The environment is the politician, the guru, the all that's going on around you. And we are pressed by all that. And so we have gradually lost all sensitivity, all energy to create. And we are using that word create, not creating a, a picture, a poem, literary works, but we are talking of creation in the sense, bringing about something totally new. And to have that capacity, that drive, that beauty human must have great sensitivity. And you cannot have great sensitivity if you are not if every sense of is not fully functioning, fully aware. Now, why have we destroyed our senses? You understand my question? Religions have said, the Christian world and in, in the scriptures of this country and the religious leaders have said, Suppress desire, suppress your feelings, don't look at a woman, torture yourself, then only you will find God or nirvana or moksha or whatever you want. Only then you will be illumined, which is utter nonsense. How can you destroy the most extraordinary instrument that we have, the body, with all its senses, body which is so, if you have gone into it, it is an extraordinary instrument. And so we, these people say, suppress desire, don't yield to desire. But if you have desire, identify it it's a, with a, it, identify it with the Saviour, with Krishna or whatever the religious gods be in the world. I wonder if you have realized in this country somebody calculated there are three hundred thousand and thirty gods. Perhaps it's better than having one God, you can have more fun with the many. 
right? Don't be so serious. So, we must understand the nature of desire. Now, this is very important in the investigation of a new instrument, not realizing, sorry, realizing the old instrument which is thought is not solving any human problems. So, in the investigation of that, we have come upon this thing called desire. What is desire? Why have people said suppress it, deny it, if you cannot identify it with something greater? It's always a problem of struggle. So we are not advocating suppression, avoidance, escape, and all that of desire. We are investigating together the nature of desire, how desire arises, why we are caught in it, why it has become so extraordinarily powerful. Right? So we are together going to the question of what is desire. What is desire? You see a pleasant object, a beautiful object, a beautiful woman or a man, you desire him or her or that object. That is so. You see a nice car, polished, good lines, powerful, and you touch it, get inside, feel the pleasure of owning it, if you can afford it, perhaps not in this country where there is... Never mind, that's not. <coughs> And the desire is there. First, the object creates the desire, or desire exists apart from the object. You are following all this? Which is, the object, car, creates the desire, or desire exists and the and the objects may vary. So, we are not discussing the objects of desire to be a powerful minister or prime minister, governor, executive, or a talented violinist. But we are inquiring into the very structure nature of desire. If we understand that, not verbally, but factually, then there is never a question of suppressing it, never a question of controlling it. 
Please listen carefully to what the speaker is saying. We have controlled, never understanding who is the controller. We have controlled desire, we have controlled our sex, we control, if you control your sex, we, we are brought up to control. And <clears throat> where there is desire, we are trying to understand it, explore it, probe into it, not control it. If this is clear, then we can go together into the understanding, the truth of desire, what place it has in life, what place, what, or no place at all. So we cannot possibly start with any conclusion that is suppressed desire or let desire run rampant. But we are together, slowly, hesitantly, carefully, probing to this, which become an extraordinary factor in life and a torture too. So we are asking, what is desire? From what source? What is the origin, the source of desire? Please, you are thinking with me, not just listening to the explanation the speaker is going to give. You are thinking, actively participating in this search of the origin of desire. whether the object creates the desire or it is independent totally of all objects. Is it clear? Can we go on? Yes. Ladies and ladies, it is very important to understand this, to go into it very, very deeply, to capture the whole movement of desire, the implications of it, the depth of it, the reality of it. If you had no senses, there will be no sensation. Sensation arises when you see something in the window of a shop, a shirt, a robe, a radio, whatever you what you will. You see it. Visual perception. Then you go inside that shop, touch the material, and from the touching of it there is a sensation. 
right? This is simple. You see the car, you touch it, you look at the lines, the polish, not the beauty of Indian cars, but the, some of the European cars are extraordinarily beautiful, like an aeroplane is extraordinarily beautiful. And you touch it, you touch your sh- that shirt you see in the window, a blue shirt, and by the very touch there is a sensation, right? This is, ob- I'm re- this is quite obvious. There is sensation. Then what happens? We are thinking to the you are not accepting what I am saying. You re- touch that shirt, look at that radio, television, whatever it is, and very touching, looking, creates a sensation. Then, if you observe very closely, thought says, how nice it would be if I had that shirt on me, if I stepped into that car. So at that moment, when thought creates the image out of the sensation, is the origin of desire. Right? Are you following all this? I see a beautiful tree which man hasn't created. He has created the cathedral, the mosque, the temple, and all the things there are therein. He has created all that. But he has not created the tree. He has not created nature. But man is destroying nature. So you look at a beautiful tree. You wish it were in your garden. And you see it, there is the sensation of the dignity the shadows, the, the light on the leaf, the movement of the tree, then sensation arises. And then thought says, how nice it would be if I had that tree in my garden. When thought creates the image of that tree in your garden, at that second desire is born. Right? So the question then is, that it is natural to be sensitive, to have sensations, otherwise you are paralyzed. You must have sensations, you must have sensitivity in your fingers, in your eyes, in your hearing and looking. And when you are sensitive, you watch, you look. And out of that looking, watching, observing, 
sensation inevitably arises, must, otherwise you are blind, deaf. Now, when there is sensation, then thought creates an image, and at that moment desire is born. Right? Have you found this to be so? Or are we going to repeat just what the speaker has said? Or go back to your tradition and say, we must suppress desire. All what you are talking is nonsense. All our religious books have said, God, I don't know why you read these religious books anyhow. So if you really go into this question of desire, which is so important in life, then you will find out for yourself the origin, the beginning of desire. Now, the question is, to look at a car, at the shirt, at a woman, at a picture, this arising of sensation, and find out whether thought can be in abeyance, not immediately create a picture, immediately create an image of you in that shirt or in that car and so on. Can, can there be a gap between sensation and thought impinging upon that sensation? You understand this question? Find out. It will make your mind's brain alert, watchful. The second extract is from the second discussion in Saanen, 1972, titled what happens if I don't suppress anger? Now, I better begin beginning. There is, there are opposites, aren't there? Sunny day and a rainy day. Night, darkness and light. Right? There is a woman and man. Now, psychologically, are there opposites? Or only one factor? And because I do not know how to solve that one factor, I invent other factors. Are you getting? Are you? Are we meeting each other? No. All right. Look, I am angry. That's the only factor, isn't it? When I say I must not be angry, 
That's a conclusion. That's a, an abstraction. Right? But the factor is I'm angry. If I know how to resolve that anger, its opposite wouldn't arise. You're are we meeting each other? Right, sir? Are we meeting each other? Oh, no. I'm angry. Now, can I solve that anger without resorting to its opposite? saying, I must not be angry. The must not be the angry is its opposite. And that comes only when I can't understand the whole structure of anger and go beyond it. Right? Now, so I say, can I understand this anger, not control it, not reject it, not yield to it, but understand it, have an insight into the whole structure of anger. If I do, then the opposite doesn't exist. You're meeting my point? Please do come. Right? Can, shall we go on? If I don't hold my anger, I'll, I'm afraid I might kill somebody. Look, look. Before you kill somebody, try to find out if, you're, if you can resolve the anger. To control it is to suppress it. To say, I must not be angry, is to create the opposite. And therefore, a conflict between must not be, and the fact that I am. Right? Or if you try to escape from it, anger is still there. So I'm now I do not escape, I do not suppress, I do not say, I must resolve. There is an anger. Now, how am I, how am I to go beyond? How is the mind to go beyond it? without creating its opposite. You have understood? Please come, sir. Some of you understand this? Good. Then come with me. Then what am I to do? Look what has taken place. Before I try to control it, which is a wastage of energy, before I try to suppress it, which is a wastage of energy, right? Before I try to escape from it or rationalize it, which is an avoidance, an escape from the fact, right? If I don't escape, control, suppress, or try to find, uh, rationalize it, all that energy is concentrated, isn't it? Right? So, I have got that enormous energy to deal with one fact, which is anger. 
right have you got that please otherwise i can't we can't go on then if we if you haven't got it, it becomes merely verbal you understand your end your tradition your culture says suppress it control it escape from it and rationalize it. we i say that's a wasting en- your energy which prevents you from observing the only fact which is anger so anger has no opposite there is only that and you have the energy now next step why do you call it anger because previously you have been angry by naming it as anger you have emphasized the previous experience you right so you are observing the present factor with the previous experience therefore conditioning the present factor are you meeting this come on sir so the naming is a wastage of energy so you do not name no control no suppression no escape right and you have the energy then is there anger don't say you don't know because you are then facing the only fact and when you are facing completely that factor the, the factor is the exist because it exists only when you are escaping fighting controlling suppressing i do right you have got it so there is in me in one human being this duality right and i ask myself is there a duality at all there man woman sunshine that obvious but psychologically is are there opposites or only thought invented the opposite because it could not solve the one factor i've got it please and this requires attention doesn't it right because to see this clearly you need to observe and you are prevented from observing observing when thought says i must do something about it 
It is thought that has said, I must control. Otherwise I'll kill somebody. It's thought that has said, I must suppress it. I don't know what to do about it. I must run away from it. I must watch it. These are all the activities of thought. When you say, I must watch it. So, thinking about the factor is a wastage of energy. You understand all this? There is no wastage of energy when there is only observation. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in New Delhi, 1983, titled We Are Conditioned to Suppress Fear. What's the cause of fear? Please, if you find it, act. Don't carry on with fear. What's the cause of it? Is it thought? Is it time? Thought. I've had certain anxiety, fear last year or last week, and I hope it will not occur again. Follow? Fear has a continuity. Fear has a continuity, duration, and that continuity implies time. So thought, time, is the root of fear. You can't get round that fact. Thought itself creates the fear. I have a job, I'm quite happy at the moment, but I may lose it. So thought projects into the future a condition which I may live in, and that creates fear, you understand? I have had certain pain, physical pain, the remember, remembering it and hoping it will not happen again. So it is both thought and time are the root of fear. Now, you have listened to it. What can be done? You understand? You have listened to the fact that thought and time, basically, fundamentally, is the cause of fear. The next question naturally arises, how, we, how am I to put aside thought, right? Or how am I to stop thought? You follow me? 
if I could stop thought and the continuity of a movement as time, is that possible? I hope you are asking this question yourself. I am not putting this question to you. You are asking this question of yourself. One sees the truth that thought, time are the essence of fear. How do you observe this fact? That thought and time are cause are the causation of fear. How do you look at it or receive it or approach the question? You understand my How do you, I must repeat this, how do you, when you listen to this fact, what's your response to it? Actual response, not calculated response. You naturally say, you're stuck, right? You're stuck in that position. And if you ask how, again the reply is mechanical. So you are also stuck there. You are you're blocked. Right? Are you? Being held by a fact. Right? I wonder if you see this. You are held down by an actuality, and you have no response to that. Right? If you are quite honest with oneself, you see this truth, and you are you know you can't do anything, right? That is, you are for the first time in your life, you have said, I can't do anything. Right? Before you've always done something. I wonder if you you always acted on fear. I must control it, I must suppress it, I must there is a rationalization of fear, and so on. There is always act. You took action about it. Now you can't, right? So you observe without reaction. You watch the fact, and the fact is not different from you. Right? The fact is you. Is that clear too? Fear 
brought about by thought and time is you, like anger is you, greed is you, your ambition is you, your name, your form, your way of thinking is you. So you are stuck with yourself. There is nobody to help you. Have you understood? No. Nobody to help you to be free of fear. Because the Guru himself is afraid. He wants to reach some other state and you know all the rest of the nonsense. So you are in a for the first time in a position, in a situation where there is nobody can help you. No God. No angels, no government, no saviour. Then what happens to your to your whole being? You are understanding all this? Then if you can look at it totally without any reaction, because you are that, then you will see, because you have brought all the energy which you have been wasting in searching for an escape, in trying to suppress fear, trying to worship gods to save you from fear. All that wasted energy is now brought together as complete energy, and that energy dissolves totally fear. Right? Do it, sirs. Do it as you are sitting here, listening now. Not when you go home, then it's too late. That's mere postponement, avoidance. Whereas if you can face the fact, then you'll always be dealing with facts. Facts are that which has happened in the past and that which is happening now. Facts do not exist in the future. Right? Fact that you had a, that there has been an accident. That's a fact. I was caught. Last year, in a car accident, I was not, but suppose I am. And that, that's a fact. And it's a fact now that I'm sitting here talking, and so on. So, if when to always live with facts, not with opinions, not with conclusions, 
not with ideals, but actually that you are angry, that you are greedy, that you are ambitious, you are violent, that very act of living with fact of fear, because in that fact demands your total attention. And where there is total attention, which is bringing all your energy, it's like throwing bright light on an object, then you see things clearly and therefore totally free from fear. To the speaker this is a fact, psychologically. You may not believe it, I don't care. But the fact is, when there is freedom from this fear, then only there is love. The final extract in this episode is from the seventh talk in New Delhi, 1963, titled Religions Encourage Suppression. Because saints have told you, to find God you must be non- you must have no sexual relationship. You must not look, you must not have feel, feelings, you must suppress, you must destroy, you must subjugate, sit on them. So what happens when you sit on a feeling? It pops up in another direction. And there you are boiling inside. And you say, I must live, in order to find God, I must live a bachelor life. And so you go round and round in circles, never finding God and never understanding this whole problem. So, idea and action create real hell in our lives, real misery in our lives, when you separate the two. So is it possible to act without idea? And it is possible. Only it is possible when you observe without conflict. And therefore there is action instantly, and that action is not conformative. That action has an extraordinary releasing process. And therefore that action is revolutionary. Now we begin to see what is the religious spirit. The man who is, has ideals is not religious. Take the question of non-violence. 
You love that word in this country, and you don't mean a word about it. It's just a word to cover up your violence, because you are violent. <coughs> if you are not violent, do you think all the things that are going on for a minute you would allow? The brutality, the callousness, the indifference, the complete lack of respect, not for your bosses, I don't mean that stupid stuff. I mean respect. Therefore, when you have respect, you have respect for everybody, not for your ugly people in power. So. A religious mind is really the revolutionary mind, because it's acting without idea, therefore instantly. It is only such a mind, and therefore it's only a mind that is new, fresh, innocent, a decisive mind. It's only the young mind, you understand, young mind that can decide, that can say, this is so. Not out of impetuosity, not out of some per personal opinion or so, but because it sees, actually, without conflict it observes what is true. It's only the young mind, the innocent mind. And the religious mind, the spirit, is not divorced from beauty. Now, without gain, have to examine semantically these two words, the meaning of these words, beauty. You understand? Look at your religion. There is not one atom of beauty in it. Is there? Look at it. Beauty implies highest form of sensitivity, not for pictures, the the sensitivity of a mind that is alive, fresh. Therefore everything is, has its own beauty, even the most ugly thing, which is not an idea. We have in this country divorced beauty from religion, and therefore you have ceased to be religious. Because again, your saints have said beauty implies the woman or the man. Therefore, don't be sensitive, suppress, hide, run away. Don't look. Suppress your passion, boil, but suppress it. And to find God, you must have this extraordinary energy. But you need this extraordinary energy, which I am going to talk about presently.
So, having divided religion, beauty from religion, you have ceased to be religious. To you it doesn't matter a tree, the colour, the sky, the run, the light on the water, a bird on the wing, it doesn't matter to you. But God, repeat God and the Gita and this and that, oh, tremendous meaning. So our lives have become hard, brutal, and the saints have insisted on austerity. Therefore, you say, I must suppress. You know, austerity is the most lovely thing, not practiced by your saints and all the rest of the gang, but I am using the word gang purposely, without any disrespect. To feel this sense of austerity is a lovely thing, it's not hard, and you can only be austere when, you are when there is sensitivity. Do you understand? To be sensitive, to be, have all your nerves, your eyes, ears functioning at the highest level. And that requires an astonishing awareness of every movement of your thought. Whether you are suppressing, why you are suppressing, what is... You are, you are alive. You are watching every word, every gesture, every movement of your body and eyes. And so out of this astonishing awareness, sensitivity, there comes an austerity without harshness, without bigotry, without uh, cruelty. Therefore, out of this religious revolution, which in essence is the highest form of intelligence which is to be highly sensitive, not to your particular likes and dislikes, everybody is, but to be sensitive to the whole human existence, with all the complexities, with all the problems, with all the despairs, anxieties, sorrows, to be aware of it, to watch it. And in the very process of observation there is discipline, and that discipline is austere, without any sense of suppression. Then, a religious spirit or the mind which is in a in constant state of revolution. I explained, I won't go back into it. It's only that mind that can find this energy. There is an energy. There is a source of energy which is, can never be touched by a mind in conflict, by the so-called religious mind. Do what they will. They're all, 
Man is seeking this energy, because that is the source, the origin. Don't give it a name, it has no name. It is an energy, and it is only that energy that is creative, not the painter, not the writer, not the people who are trying to be creative, think creatively. They are not. It is only the religious mind, the religious mind that is in a revolution, that is clear. It is only such a mind that can find the source of this energy in action, because that energy comprehends the whole and not particular fragments and try to answer every fragment. It deals entirely with the whole problem of man, not just one particular level of his particular problem. And we have lost that energy, not lost, probably we never had it. It is only by discovering, really discovering it, not being told like a lot of infants, by really finding it out through religious revolution, through this sense of highest beauty, which demands all your attention, and that attention is virtue, because the cultivated virtue is no longer virtue, it's just a, a, a habit formed to function in a particular pattern. Virtue is something out of time, it cannot be cultivated. You are or you are not. It's like cultivating humility. Just think of that absurdity. A vain man trying to cultivate humility. He'll remain at the end still vain. He has learned the word humility and has covered it up. And to be, to have this humility, you have to destroy completely, consciously as, a, as well as unconsciously, all vanity or pride. And on the instant, not gradually. So the religious mind has no time Therefore no idea as a psychological idea according to which it is functioning. A religious mind is acting, not socially, economically, politically, it is acting, because it has found, it has discovered that source, uncontaminated by thought, uncontaminated by conflict, and it is only the mind that is really understands the true religious spirit that can find that thing which is beyond all words.